Star Wars 7 by 7 episode 1406 today. The ride. We're finishing our look at the events happening in Canto Bite prior to the events of The Last Jedi. Punch it, Chewie. Hey, I'm Jason Fry, author of many Star Wars stories and the Jupiter Pirate series, and you're listening to Star Wars 7x7, the only daily Star Wars podcast. Hey, Rebel Rouser. I'm Alan Voivod, and this is Star Wars 7x7. So today we are talking about The Ride by John Jackson Miller. This is a full spoiler podcast, so if you have not read the story or listened to the audiobook version of the story and you don't want it spoiled for you, well then save this one for a later date. But if you're okay with me sharing the details with you in brief, so that way you can have a handle on the stuff happening in Canto Bight prior to the events of The Last Jedi, well then by all means, let's get into it. The story revolves around Kaljak Sonmi, that's J-A-C-H-K-A-L-J-A-C-H Sonmi, and Cal, for short, is a proposition player. Now, I wonder if this is something that actually exists in casinos, because it's kind of a cool idea. Apparently, he is an employee of the casino in Cantobite, and he's paid to make casino games. So if you need multiple players to be playing any particular card game or other game of chance, not just the house versus one player, but you need multiple players, well, when things are slow, like in the mornings and the afternoons, you get these proposition players coming in who are playing with their own money. They are paid a salary by the casino, but they're not necessarily given a stake by the casino. They're playing with their own money and they supposedly, this is what they tell you, and based on the way the story goes, it sounds like it really is the case. It's not like the house is giving these proposition players any additional benefit or anything like that. Nope. If they lose their money, then they lose their money, and that's that. But in Cal's case, it wasn't enough, the salary that he's getting paid for doing the proposition player work at Canto Bite. Instead, he's actually gotten some funding from someone who turns out to be the accountant of Sturgana, that gangster that we heard about the other day. And that money, he's been working on a system for Zinbiddle, a card game, where he's hoping to get one of these incredible impossible hands called the Ion Barrage, and he actually manages to make it happen, but unfortunately, due to the intervention of this group of aliens called the Lucky Three, or known around the casino as the Lucky Three, <laughs> somehow an Ion Barrage happens with them as well, and because of weird cruise ship rules, even though Cal gets an Ion Barrage, he can't actually keep the winnings, which he would have needed to get out of debt to this person who he later finds out. Oh no, this is Sturgana, who actually is the guy holding the chit on this. And he's given a warning that if he doesn't pay off this 800,000 credit debt by sunrise, then he is going to be gone. So his fortunes get hooked up almost literally, actually very literally, with these lucky three, Dodie and Wody and Thody, kind of reminds you of the dwarves from The Hobbit. And even though he's been working on a system to get this Zinbiddle thing to work, and it looks like the system is working because he was about to win this progressive jackpot, this huge thing, it turns out that this whole system that he's been working on, he has to kind of throw the idea of it out the window around these three because somehow, and it's never explained, and maybe it's the Force, maybe it's something else entirely, because who knows, the universe works in mysterious ways, but 
depending on which of the three are involved, no whether it's one or two or three of them, the odds sort of change and things start to go either their way or against their way. And part of the story is Cal trying to figure out, oh, I see how the pattern is working here. And even though it goes against everything I believe about gambling and about systems and about odds and this sort of thing, I'm learning to run with this whole situation. And in the course of the evening, the Countess of Cantobite is mentioned, and we also get to see Joris, who was a client of Lexo Suger, the masseur from the other story that we talked about on Cantobite, the see nothing, hear nothing, say nothing story. And let's see who else. Oh, um, uh, Kedpin Shocklop also shows up in this story as well. He was the schlub who was going to be used to deliver an explosive and have to be killed along with a corrupt Cantobite police officer in the very first story in the Cantobite series. He shows up at the end as well, and apparently he is enjoying himself post-craziness <laughs> that he went through. And Fathier races actually end up playing a part in this too, which is something that Cal never does because there's absolutely no way to try to figure out the odds on a horse race in the same way that you can figure out what the odds are with a deck of cards, for example. And it occurred to me to look back since Fathier Racing was very prominent in the other stories as well. This particular Fathier Race did not show up in the other stories, but... It finally occurred to me that the Fathier race that happens in See Nothing, Hear Nothing, Say Nothing is the same Fathier race that happens in the original Kedpin Chocolop story. That would be rules of the game if you're keeping track at home. And I have to say I was pleasantly surprised by this story. I mean, it's not like I, you know, didn't think John Jackson Miller had it in him necessarily. I mean, you know, I have not read a lot of his work and I had not read any of his previous novels that were part of the old expanded universe, now Legends. The only work with his, of his that I'm familiar with in Star Wars land is a New Dawn, that would be the novel that was the first of the novels that came out rebooting the Star Wars, I know they don't call it the Expanded Universe, just I guess rebooting the fictional canon, and that featured the first meeting of Harrison Nula and Kanan Jarrus, and it's sort of a prequel to the Star Wars Rebels TV series. Now, that had its moments of humor in it, to be sure, but I found this whole story of the ride to be much more humorous in total, and much more lighthearted by comparison. And even though the circumstances are, you know, kind of similar for everybody in these short stories, it was definitely a lot lighter in tone in the ride than it was for anyone else. I mean, it's the same kind of thing. If Lexo Suger doesn't you know, turn informant for Sturgana, then his daughter's going to die, and then chances are he's going to die too. With, you know, this guy Cal, if he doesn't pay his debts by sunrise, he's going to die a horrible death. And if Kedpin, you know, doesn't uh, get out of the mess that he's in, he's going to die. And Ang Lang, the guy that ends up setting him up for it, if, you know, once he gets Kedpin out of the whole thing and gets a conscience about it, now he has to deal with the fact that he is going to die as a result because the Old City Boys are going to kill him because he didn't follow through on the contract that he was supposed to follow through on. And the wine and dreams, you have Ubiala, the nightclub and bar owner who is threatened by Sturgana to say, if you don't get a bottle of that stuff, then we're going to have words. And, you know, that's just a euphemism. <laughs> and even, you know, Durla, who is the, you know, the wine merchant in this, you know, she ends up being put 
in danger too. So all of these characters in these four short stories are put into very extreme do this or die circumstances. And I guess, you know, you can't make the stakes any higher than that, really. But for all of them, they're, you know, much more serious altogether with the exception of the ride, which was definitely a lot more lighthearted in tone. And from a time frame standpoint, considering that Kedpin from the original story, Rules of the Game, he is supposed to be in Canto Bight for a two-week vacation, an all-expenses-paid vacation for two weeks, thanks to being the evaporator sales being of the year. You have to imagine that all four of these short stories take place within a two-week time span so that, you know, they are all, you know, flying through each other's orbit and make sense in a way. And considering what we talked about yesterday, where you could imagine the possibility that the ending of the see nothing, hear nothing, say nothing story takes place during the Fathier chase in The Last Jedi, then we've got really, you know, a set of stories that takes place immediately proximate to the events of The Last Jedi. Whether it has anything to do with the Solo A Star Wars story movie and whether we're going to see any of the backstory of any of these characters in Solo as part of that. Well, that's the really intriguing thing. And people are going to start finding out about that tomorrow because as opposed to the movie actually having its world premiere at Cannes, which is what it was going to be, you know, over at the French Film Festival on May 15th, now they're actually doing the world premiere in Los Angeles on May 10th. And so there's going to be a whole red carpet premiere and a live stream on StarWars.com sponsored by Nissan and all that fun stuff. And we're at the point where it's going to be time to start being careful on social media about what you hear and what you see because spoilers are going to start leaking out. Yeah, I know it's the press and it's, you know, people who ought not to disclose these things and who <laughs> ought to be careful. But he, embargoes or not, you know, it's going to start leaking out. So if you don't want Solo spoiled for you, then it's time to start being careful around social. And I will say for our part here on the podcast that Safe Week is starting basically <laughs> a week earlier than anticipated. It was going to be just, you know, the week before, like it was with The Last Jedi, but now we are declaring Safe Week to begin on Friday the 11th, which is two weeks before the release of Solo, A Star Wars Story, so you can be assured that you're not going to hear anything on the podcast that is going to spoil the movie for you. And in fact, if there's news about commercials, being released or, you know, new footage or new trailers, teasers, new, you know, new newspaper articles, whatever. We will talk about solo stuff, but we are going to stop talking about new stuff and only analyze the stuff that we have available to us right now. So if you're game with that, then stick with the podcast here. And I'm going to take a quick break and then we will do Last Jedi Trivia. Stay tuned. Hey Rebel Rouser, May the 4th is Star Wars Day and it's also the date of our 1400th episode. So to celebrate all during the month of May, you can get the unofficial Star Wars The Force Awakens trivia book for just $7.77. That's whether you pay in dollars, pounds, or euros, just $7.77 at SW7X7.com slash TFA for the US version of Amazon or just search for the unofficial Force Awakens trivia book on any European version of Amazon. Welcome back. All right, last time I asked you for the full first line of dialogue from The Last Jedi, and it's, we're not clear yet, there's still 30 pallets of cannon shells in Sea Bunker. So there you go. 
And today's question for you, who is the first on the planet's surface to realize that the First Order has arrived in the middle of their evacuation? That's going to do it for today's podcast. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you engage those Star Destroyers at point-blank range, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And we'll be able to do even more with the show for you with your support at Patreon.com slash SW7x7. It's not the shortest offensive of all time, it's Destiny Unleashed. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2018, Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.